morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And Andrew Cashflow, a.k.a. the Cashflow King, is joining us. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the fall of decentralization may be happening before our eyes, with shocking new evidence revealing that Ledger has access to your funds and MetaMask has the ability to lock user wallets. Two massive announcements came in for Ripple's team last week, shifting the momentum in the lawsuit and amongst the general public. And with the world moving away from the U.S. dollar and into digital assets, President Biden states he will not protect crypto investors. We discuss how this will affect American investors during the greatest financial opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, last night was pretty exciting for the Merlin team as you started your first Merlin Spaces. So I guess that's a good place to begin the episode. And how you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Yes, absolutely. It was a wonderful weekend, but it's always a beautiful, beautiful day when the birds are out chirping, the sun is out to be here on your backyard deck. I love being here. Thank you for having me down here. It is wonderful, wonderful. But it's great to see my friends out there, Gonzo and Andrew. Yes, we had a little historic weekend. We did get to launch the Merlin Twitter Spaces last night after some technical difficulties. It went well, but uh, awesome. Can't wait to get started. Good morning to all the word maniacs out there. Gonzo, we got a great comment from one of our listeners. It said, isn't MetaMask owned by JP Morgan? We're going to be getting into that today. But before we do that, how you feeling, my friend? Happy Monday, and thank you for being here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, just super excited to be here, man. I miss you guys, you know. Uh, so it, it's just great to be here. Um, you know, like Johnny said, it, it's been a great weekend for Merlin. Uh, we had the Twitter spaces. I was there at the beginning. We kept having some technical issues and stuff. But um, behind the scenes, I, I've been working on some Merlin instructional videos and stuff of like that. And just just seeing everything that it does, like every time I mess with it, I learn something new, right? And just it's the little details and stuff. So I'm really excited. I can't wait for you guys to be able to put your hands on it and start using it. I mean, look at that. I got my Merlin shirt on. That's how excited I am. Merlin Mondays. So, yeah, man, it's been great. Uh, you know, I'm not on as on as often, but I have still been kind of going deep into my research and stuff like that. So so it's been good. Thank you, Gonzo. Always happy to have you on. And Andrew Cashflow, obviously, we're going to be talking about Merlin today. And with the Ledger debacle, Merlin seems to be becoming more important than ever because through our new application, you can take advantage of decentralization. You can have your Trezor, your Ledger, and your Coinbase all monitored in one location. So that's going to be a huge difference for our users out there. But before we talk about that today, how are you feeling, my friend? Thank you for making time for us, as always. And, and what's going on in the Netherlands? Yeah, I have my Merlin t-shirt. Oh, I have no Merlin t-shirt, so... Uh... You know, it, it, it will come. It, it's excellent here in the Netherlands. It's 5 p.m. So uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night, everybody. Um, this morning I was, I was sitting, I thought, you know, do I take the blue pill or the red pill today? And I think, you know what? I'll take, I'll take the red one again. So, Absolutely, uh, Andrew Cashflow. And that's the best way we can start the show this morning. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at almost 4,200 followers. Go smash that follow button. I love talking to you. 
The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting at a 49, Johnny, in neutral this morning. And when we look at the daily movers, pretty much right across the board. Hex is down nearly 30% on the day. We've got TRX up 4% and Myota up about 3%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.12 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,800. Ethereum, 1800 flat. XRP is at 45 cents. Cardano is 36. And a token we're going to be talking about today is Quant Network sitting at 101. And Gonzo, before we get into our articles, I'd love to hear what you've been watching over the weekend. There's a lot of XRP news, but is there anything going on in the Ethereum community? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's the same old, same old. I, I think, you know, I, I'm still leaning towards that we could get some bullish price action, you know, going into June before we get the major correction. Uh, you know, 27.6 for Bitcoin is the level that I'm looking at. Uh, when I look at the chart, you know, if you look like ever since we made that 19.5 low, um, all we're doing is just making a higher low. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. We could technically go down and we haven't retested 25,000 since we kind of moved up. Uh, we had that candle wick that you see right there that kind of got close. But really, we haven't really gone back to kind of backtest that. So I think it'd be completely healthy for Bitcoin to turn around, kind of backtest that 25K level, and then maybe move up one final time going into June, into that kind of new moon energy. And then we get that major correction, right? Waters has been talking about some kind of event that's going to happen sometime after the summer where we get a major correction uh, and then come back down to kind of test the lows. So uh, I'm still, you know, uh, I'm not dollar cost averaging right now. I'm still kind of just studying the charts, you know, putting some dry powder on the side and kind of waiting for that uh, bigger correction to come. Absolutely. And with the uh, regulatory agencies figuring out how they're going to manage this market today, we're going to hear some thoughtful thoughts or some insightful thoughts from Michael Saylor. This is from April of 2021, just before Gary Gensler was appointed as chairman of the SEC. And I think it's very important because I want our listeners to understand the narrative before Gary Gensler took over. If God came down and picked the perfect person to run the SEC, you couldn't get a better person than Gary Gensler. If God came down and picked the perfect person to run the SEC, you couldn't get a better person than Gary Gensler. Johnny, I think God made a mistake, my friend, and it would be the first one ever. Either two things happened here. God didn't appoint Gary Gensler or Michael Saylor is way off on his basis. And of course, I'm just making a joke. But what do you think about Michael Saylor's statements? Because, you know, at the time, they weren't that out of whack. They weren't. It wasn't that crazy to think Gary Gensler was going to save crypto. I agree with him. 100%. He's right. Gary Gensler was and still is probably the most knowledgeable, one of the most knowledgeable people in crypto and blockchain technology. So the reality is the reason why everybody's bashing him and saying it's wrong, it's not Gary. Like I said, and nobody's going to agree with me, and that's fine, but I like to think differently. The reality is it's the agenda that Gary has been told to run. Gary's doing what Gary's told to do. That's the bottom line. That's how it works. Gary has a boss. And his boss is giving a direction and he's following the direction. And if his boss told him, go ahead and make crypto happen, then you would see just the opposite. Gary would be doing everything in his power to be um, creating and enabling adoption of the technology. But I personally believe that the agenda, and it's obvious what we've seen from above, is that the agenda is to choke, right? Operation Choke Point exists for a reason. And Gary's just doing what he's told to do. So I don't disagree with Sailor. Uh, I totally think that he's doing what he's being told. I agree. Uh, I believe Gary's doing what he's told to do. And so in that case, it looks like Gary's the bad guy. And I get 
why everybody doesn't like Geary. I totally understand it and get it. Um, I think when we get a change at the top, let's assess Geary then and see what he does, and then we're going to decide. Then you can make a true decision of Geary if he really is or isn't the right person. But right now, with given a certain set of agenda and only running that one agenda, you can't make the decision right now. And, Johnny, we were going over this list of what the SEC considers to be unregistered securities before the show, and we were trying to find a pattern here. What are they going after? What are they actually trying to regulate? We couldn't figure it out. Our group could not figure out. There's no pattern within this within the suing of these crypto companies. They've got custody companies, liquidity companies, utility companies, smart contracts, data storage. They've got liquidized real estate. You name a use case, the SEC has probably gone after it in the United States. And we got 243 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Andrew Cashflow, the first article we're going to be talking about today is how the SEC's leaked emails suggest that XRP is not a security. But before we get into that, I just wanted to get some broad thoughts from you. How do you feel about Gary Gensler's regulation so far? And is there anything you want to address before we get into our articles? Now, first of all, I think that uh, that Michael Saylor was right. Gary Gensler is a guy with an enormous amount of knowledge of the crypto industry. And I also learned a lot of them. You know, when I joined here the 3T Academy, uh, I was also a fan of, uh, of, of, of Gary. And, and, and based on his knowledge, I, I'm still a fan of him. But, but yeah, he, indeed, he has an other, other agenda. And um, yeah, about the, all those, those projects they, they are suing, I think they need an enormous amount of, of stuff in, in their uh, organization and they need an enormous amount of money to run all these this lawsuits. So I think it's quite a challenge. I was a project manager for many years, but this is a huge project to, to manage it. And uh, I hope they are still in control. And, and uh, But yeah, you know, we, we do not know for sure what the agenda is, but the agenda looks like delaying everything what is what reeks like or what, what smells like crypto it should be delayed so and that uh, yeah they are succeeding in that uh, pretty good absolutely and one of our listeners said it's time to cut the puppet strings and we could be witnessing that happen right now gonzo i want to give you a chance to comment and then we're going to start off with this video yeah i'm just going to say you know all you have to do is look at like gary gensler when he was at mit all the videos that have surfaced showing what his stance was on blockchain technology, on certain crypto assets, and then the difference in how he's dealing with it through the SEC, right? And that, like Johnny's saying, someone else is 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 directing him, right? Because it's a total like 180 in what his um, sentiment was at MIT and his sentiment now, right? Uh, and, and and Operation Choke Point, and there he is, right? I mean, that that's who's pushing the strings, right? That That is who's pushing these, th this narrative. And, and Johnny's right. We're going to have to see what happens when someone else becomes uh, in power um, to see if the sentiment with the SEC changes because he's taking orders like anybody else, right? Um, I will say this like about Michael Saylor because he's also kind of one of these controversial guys. Um, take what he says with a grain of salt, right? But just because he says something really stupid, I, I know there was a lot of talk about when he was talking about the mortgaging your home thing, but just because he's a human being, right? So just because he says something stupid or something you don't agree with doesn't mean that he doesn't have knowledge that you can extract from him, right? While I've been off, I've really been looking at like the definition of money and currency and, and how that relates to Bitcoin. You know, we, we get on the show with Billy on our, on our kind of Conspiracy Fridays and, and Billy has brought up these really good questions. And so I've really done 
started to do all this research to really understand money and how Bitcoin fits in that or any crypto asset fits in that when we talk about like store of value and a means of exchange, right? And so a lot of the stuff that I've researched is Michael Saylor because he has a good understanding of what money is. Now he's a Bitcoin maxi. So my point is this, is that just because someone's a maxi or says something stupid doesn't mean they can't be knowledgeable in other areas and that you can extract information from what they have and then to kind of make it your own. Spot on Gonzo. And I'm going to play this video right now. He said, who's leading the objective? Who's really cracking down on crypto? We're going to show you a little bit of evidence as to how Joe Biden and his political campaign could be anti-crypto going forward. Here we go. I'm not going to agree to a deal that protects wealthy tax sheets and crypto traders while putting food assistance at risk for nearly 100, well, I should mean nearly 1 million Americans. That protects wealthy tax sheets and crypto traders. So what he said there is he's not going to pass a bill to protect crypto traders. I responded. I want to read this and then I'm going to kick it back to you, Gonzo. It said over 50 million Americans own crypto today, and the U.S. population is 331 million. It's statistically impossible for us all to be considered wealthy. And for Joe Biden to continue to make blanket statements like this when we're all as educated as we are about this market, I don't know. It seems a little outlandish, and I do think it's intentional. I'd like to get some brief thoughts from you, and then we'll kick it to cash flow. Yeah, so all you have to do is see, and I'm not making this a left or right thing, right? But if you see like the Democrats, they all have the same talking points, right? When they had the uh, committee where they were talking about stable core regulation, you had a lot of good common sense comments that were coming from some of the Congress people that were on the Republican side, a few Democrats too. But then uh, Mr. Sherman, when he came out, he was saying the same thing, right? He called it the crypto bros and we're all millionaires. And it's just a narrative right? It's just a narrative. It's a talking point that they're using. But when you look at it, it just makes them sound really stupid, right? Because it's all you have to do is do a little bit of research and due diligence and see what he's saying is totally not true and a total farce and a lie. And it just makes them look stupid, right? And it seems like it's starting to divide through, you know, the left and the right, right? And so, but like I said, all you have to do is watch some of the media and you'll see they're all kind of saying the same gibberish, right? And and they're pushing this narrative that we're all millionaires and that we just all ride around in our Lambos and our jets and we're just avoiding our taxes, right? Which is just, it's just not the case. Spot on. And I want to bring up this point as well, Andrew. 13 countries just this weekend requested to formally join BRICS nations as an economic alliance to challenge the U.S. dollar supremacy And when you talk about the world moving into a digital environment while the U.S. is moving away from it, this is another primary example of why countries like Brazil, Saudi Arabia, and European nations are quickly moving away from the dollar. The dollar is backed by two things, the U.S. government and the U.S. military, and both of those entities appear to be weaker than ever, ever since the C-19 crisis of 2020. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts, and then we'll kick it to Johnny Crypto. Yeah, what, what you see is just a, a, another uh, world reserve currency is, is, is arising at the moment. Look at the Ray Dalio video with uh, uh, changing, uh, changing world order. It's exactly happening as, as what he's written there or what he's uh, teaching us there. So um, it, it's inevitable. Uh, on the other hand, we always had gold in the past already for five, six, seven, eight thousand years. Gold was a... Uh, uh, a way to to pay something it's not currency it's it, it's money and uh, what you also see is that a lot of banks are currently collecting gold 
Why are they doing that? You know, yeah, I, I understand why they are doing it. Even in, last week in the Netherlands, we had the transport of an enormous amount of gold from one safe to another safe. And it was only one third of the gold reserves from the Netherlands. And then there is also one third, I think, somewhere in Canada and US. But there is no proof if that gold is really there. So this is also weird, you know, in, in the whole gold, gold standard. And But I know in China, it's not allowed to export gold out of China, although China has some gold mines. Uh, uh, yeah, I, th I think we will go back somewhere to a gold-backed uh, world reserve currency, and we will see it happening at the moment. And I'm very curious. And actually, I'm a, sometimes a little bit happy I live in Europe because we are more or less in the middle. And that's slowly shifting in one direction, Andrew Cashflow. And we got almost 300 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, this is the latest update from John D. In one of the topics of conversation over the past week, we had some major announcements come in for Ripple. Ripple hired a former Amazon CFO, joining their board of directors with Rosie Rios and a bunch of other banking uh, elites. We also had them confirm Microsoft is looking to utilize Ripple's technology to enhance what they've already built. But here's another major detail. The Hinman emails are going to be released regardless of if Ripple gets a settlement or if the SEC outright wins. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. And that's what John Deaton's saying right here. So we're going to play this short clip and go to Johnny. Here we go. The documents are coming out even if there's a settlement. The, the, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So the documents are not going to lead to a settlement. And, and I just don't think there will be a settlement until we get a judgment from Judge Torres. Only then could there be a post summary judgment settlement. So Johnny, before you give your thoughts, I just wanted to preface this. When we were in XRP Las Vegas, John Deaton dropped a bombshell on us. He said on September 30th, Judge Torres is going to be forced to make a decision or stand in front of Congress and be held accountable for why she can't make a decision on this court case. So we finally have a line in the sand. We've heard it from Brad Garlinghouse. We've heard it from John Deaton. What are you anticipating, my friend? Yeah, I think it's spot on that, you know, we, we by, for sure by the end of September, we should have something. But more importantly, Abs, you have to think about what Deaton's talking about here with the Hinman emails. And the real question is the judge has seen the Hinman emails. Ripple has seen the Hinman emails. The SEC has seen the Hinman. Everybody's seen the Hinman emails that need to in this case to make a decision. And what worries me is that the judge didn't make a decision based on what she saw there. Or it's taking quite a long time. But maybe the thing is they're going to wait to see how this, this summary judgment turns out. And like John said, then they'll make a decision of, okay, you know what? Because I guess they're both sitting there saying, we don't know which way the judge is leaning. We think, you know, Ripple's thinking, hey, we got a strong case. The SEC, for some odd reason, thinks they got a strong case. And so, ultimately, until we get some kind of direction from the judge that says which way she's pointing, that's when I agree with John. That's when you're either going to get a settlement or somebody's going full, you know, full-blown to court. And we're going to have to wait to see which way the judge is leaning before we get that. Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And I'm going to get into this article right now, guys, as the breaking news from last week is that SEC's leaked emails suggest XRP is not a security. New evidence suggests that Ripple's XRP token may not be classified as a security, according to the SEC's recently unearthed internal emails. Evidence of internal emails from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission suggests that there's reasonable grounds to believe that XRP does not meet all elements of the Howey test and thus 
might not be classified as a security. This information was unearthed by John Deaton, a popular legal commentator who highlighted the references in the SEC's emails in the footnotes of Ripple's opposition and reply briefs. Deaton expressed confusion as to why Ripple's uh, why the potential implication of these emails was not given more prominence by Ripple's legal team. The emails cited in, in Exhibit 220 appear to argue that there are reasonable grounds to consider that XRP does not satisfy all prongs of the Howey test, a test that's used to determine whether certain transactions qualify as investment contracts. The analysis concluded that XRP was not a security, drawing attention away from the email citation that immediately followed. Deaton poised an intriguing question as to why Ripple's lawyers did not consider making a bigger deal about this information if the statement was from a senior SEC staff member. He speculated that the quote might not be a direct statement from an SEC official, but rather an SEC official referencing another person's analysis of XRP in the emails with Hinman. This would be another former SEC director here, Johnny. And the point that I want to focus on is finally, we are going to get some clarity here. Finally, the truth is going to be revealed. I'd like to know what you found most important about that article. Well, what's important or interesting to me, Abs, is are we going to see something in there where people within the SEC are saying, hey, this thing's not a security? Oh, my God. If that's in writing, they're screwed. I mean, it's just a a smoking gun. And to me, you know, Brad said when you see it, you're going to see some, you know, bad or nefarious things that was going on or untruthfulness, he said, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I think, Abs, to me, that's what I'm looking for. Are there other people? within the SEC that said these things are not securities as they're being operated today. If there are, I don't even know why there's even a case today. But that is what I'm looking for, and that's what's interesting to me. There was another crazy detail that was revealed over the weekend, Johnny. 63 drafts of the Hinman email were produced before he stepped on stage, and new evidence could be coming out that during that speech, he was supposed to address Ripple and XRP, but for some reason, and even other SEC officials didn't know about this, He decided not to mention the company or the token, leaving all this regulatory uncertainty for the general public to deal with. And I'm going to play a quick video showing our listeners as to why that might be the case. This is a video six days before the Hinman speech was released. And this is Mike Novengratz explaining why the SEC may be comfortable giving Ethereum a free pass. Bitcoin is, they've already kind of said it's not a security okay, but Ethereum they haven't, they haven't ruled on yet. I, I bet dimes, dimes to, to, to donuts, they will say Ethereum probably was a security, but it's not anymore. Uh, and they're going to, they're stuck because they weren't ahead. There's this group of tokens that were issued, probably 2,500 in total, but in reality, probably 200 that matter uh, that are in this kind of regulatory no man's land. And they got to figure out how to deal with that. And they're working on that right now. My gut feeling is they're going to take it. They're going to take out a law firm. They're going to take out a token. They're going to take out some of the promoters of these things, just to say, dudes, you got to play. By, you got to play by the rules. Two things: the rule book wasn't written, and Johnny, the confidence of this man to say, "Well, I believe they may go after a company or a law firm." What sticks out to you, and then we'll kick it to Gonzo. I mean, abs to me, he freaking nailed it spot on. He just told you exactly what was going on. And what the problem was. And he's spot on. A lot of these currencies were loaded or launched back in 2013, 14. They were absolutely being punched out as securities, but aren't securities today. And that's a big problem. How do you hand it? Well, we'll look what the SEC decided to do. They say, hey, we're going to go after one of them. But the interesting thing where the SEC screwed up is they went after one and not all of them. 
And that's why people are sitting there saying, why is the SEC picking favorites? Why does Ethereum get a pass? And why it Ripple didn't? When they actually did the same kind of thing to some degree. There's some differences in a little bit because Ripple had a technology, right? But nonetheless, still, you could make the argument when they first launched it was a security. It isn't today, though. So Novogratz is spot on. And we saw now, three years later or five years later, what, what the SED did decide to do. They said, we're going to go after one or two of these. And they chose Ripple and not Ethereum. And my guess is, you know, if you dig deeper into the relationships, I'm sure you'll probably find out why they went with one over the other. Gonzo, and we focus a lot on the SEC officials who actually brought regulation forward to hinder this industry. A lot of people are going to be held accountable that turned a blind eye to the corruption that's going on. And I do want to get some of your thoughts. But before, I just want to play this quick video updating our listeners on why these Hinman emails are so important. Now, part of what the uh, what Ripple asked for in its um, you know, discovery motions is uh, documents tied to former SEC Director of Corporation Finance William Hinman's speech and documents tied to you know, how he developed that speech, uh, in which he said that his view either was not a security. Uh, obviously, this was a landmark speech in 2018. It you know signaled to a lot of the industry that okay, there is a way for cryptocurrencies to go from possibly being securities at the beginning of their life cycle to evolving away from that. Um, it's also not something I think the SEC has come back to at all in the last five years. So, you know, it is what it is. He follows this up with a very important statement, Gonzo, but I just wanted to pause it there. The point of the Hinman speech was to define one thing. When does a commodity or when does a security become something other than that? And maybe it becomes a commodity. Maybe it becomes a digital asset. And what William Hinman was trying to do was provide clarity that Ethereum had already become decentralized enough to not be considered a security. There's about 30 seconds left, so I'm going to play this short clip, and then I'm kicking it straight to you, Gonzo. And Ripple's asking for the document size of that. Last year, in January 2022, a magistrate judge ruled that Ripple should have access to these documents, and the SEC later filed to try and have them sealed. Last night, a federal judge in the same court, the Southern District of New York, ruled that the SEC cannot seal these documents and uh, must keep them there, uh, you know, in the public interest. They're something that should be made public. Can you believe that, Gonzo? The people who are protecting us, the reason they're taking Ripple to court is to protect regular everyday investors like Gonzo and Abs here. But at the end of the day, they're trying to seal internal documents. So we can't figure out what the real narrative is about these tokens behind closed doors. What stuck out to you most about the previous two articles we showed? Yeah, so it definitely seems like Judge George is not happy with the SEC with her, you know, with her ruling and kind of like probably all the shenanigans that she's seen with the with the SEC. Um, and whatever's on those emails, um, when you look at the case, right, we didn't know, okay, we knew from Brad Gollinghurst's statement that whatever's in those emails is going to make the SEC look bad. But it seemed like it had to do more about their behavior, right? not specifically about whether XRP was a security or not, right? Uh, we thought we were going to see something about Ethereum, right? And we're trying to make that connection point. But it seems like from the other story, what they found in one of the documents, right? Because Deaton didn't actually see the emails, but he found that other note within all of the documents that maybe like Johnny said, that maybe that is right. Like, you know, we made the assumption that the, the emails were going to make the SEC look bad, but when it came to the definition of whether XRP was a security in relation to the Howey test, we didn't think it was that specific. But maybe it is that specific, right? Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe there is a connection point that actually those emails are actually directly connected to whether 
um, XRP passes the Howey test or not, right? So that's going to be really interesting. I think Deaton's right. Um, I, I think those emails are going to eventually come out. She's already ruled on it. Um, so it's just a, you know, a matter of time. Um, what was the other part of the story, Abs? Um, no, I think you covered it there, or at least I'm forgetting what the other oh, part and then, of the story So was. The, oh, the other thing that I was going to say is this, is, you know, I think that as time goes on, we're going to learn more and more. And I think we're going to eventually make guess, accurate guess on why Ripple was chosen to be sued. Because I think at the end of the day, what we're going to get is Ripple's not going to get an outright win. It's going to be a most of a win, right? I think the judge is going to come out and say, look, uh, sales up to this point were security and everything after this point in time are not securities. And then it runs. And then everything else gets judged by that, right? So they can look at Ethereum and say, look, Ethereum was a security, but at this point after, it was no longer a security. And they're going to use that as the base point for all the other different cryptocurrencies. And there's a reason why they chose Ripple, right? There's a bigger picture, uh, whether that's nefarious or not nefarious, or they did it on purpose so they can get the clarity that we need. Uh, that remains to be seen. Everybody believes something different. But I, I think we're going to get the clarity uh, and then that clarity is going to relate to all the other different assets. And it's going to look like something like, hey, it came out, it was a security, it became sufficiently decentralized, and then it's no longer a security. So it's almost 100% win for Ripple, so, but not quite. So Gonzo, when you say you think we're going to get clarity, do you think we're getting a settlement or do you think we're getting a, a lawsuit, a judge decision? Um, I, don't, I don't, at this point, uh, I don't, I think we would have gotten a lawsuit. I think we're going to get the judge and what her result is, right? And I think, I don't think she's going to give Ripple the 100% win and just give them everything they want. I think that what she's probably going to do is say, hey, look, when, when this inception point happened, it was probably a security, pay a fine, or at this point in time, it was sufficiently decentralized. It is no longer security. And then they're going to judge everything that comes or that's been created to that point, right? And then that's where we get the clarity for everything else. You're spot on, Gonzo. And we got 345 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at this latest article, cash flow. before I kick it right back to you. Before Ripple announced that they were going to be creating a global aggregate for central bank digital currencies, they released an article about one month prior stating that they were targeting a $213 billion market that today sits at less than $100 million. A study found that the value of CBDC payments will reach 213 annually by 2030, and Ripple has positioned themselves to take advantage of this massive growth, now unveiling a CBDC platform that will enable governments and other financial institutions to issue national digital currencies. And while the world is moving away from the U.S. dollar, Revenues like this continue to open up cash flow. So I'd love to hear, how do you feel about Ripple positioning themselves to take advantage of the CBDC narrative? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good move for the company, for, uh, for, uh, for Ripple. Um, and what I hope, of course, is that they all will use XRP as the, in, as the, as the liquidity uh, uh, coin to do all, the, all those transfers and, and that kind of stuff. So... We don't know that yet, but of course we are we are uh, uh, yeah betting a little bit on that. And uh, what what I'm looking forward to do is the following, because you know I also li like a lot of staking and and other kind of uh, cash flow stuff. What I like to do in the future is if I hold my XRP with me, then 
in the future, I hope that I can lend my XRP out for a rent. So I, I rent it out, and that 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 that, that yeah, institutions can 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 use my XRP, but I stay the owner, like like a sort of of staking. But then the, 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 so I don't sell it, but I just want to use it as a as an income for the future. And if I see this kind of developments and platforms to uh, to support CDBCs, yeah. You know, I love uh, I love the Ripple uh, company. And there's a lot going on besides XRP, and we're going to be discussing it all this morning, guys. We've got a Ledger update and a MetaMask update coming for you. Well, we got 333 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And somebody commented, 81 nations are meeting to currently move away from the U.S. dollar. It is a wild stat. It is unbelievably progressive how quickly countries around the world are moving away from us. But guys, if you're talking about security, if you're talking about reliability, you got to be talking about the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Another exciting update that we're going to be offering for Merlin is the fact that if you are on the wait list, you'll have an opportunity to use the beta testing that we're going to be launching in the coming months and nobody who's not on the wait list is going to get access to this. And Johnny, I'm going to give you a chance to address that story. But while you do, I would love to connect it to a relevant article going on today. As Ledger has announced, the government could subpoena them and access your cold storage funds. We've talked about solutions to the Ledger debacle all throughout Thursday and Friday last week. Now we're addressing it on Monday. More bad news for this company. But what we discussed last night on the Twitter spaces is the fact that decentralization can actually help add to your security. So I'd love for you to address that and maybe talk about Merlin. Abs, you're right. I think at the end of the day, people now are scrambling. We actually had Brad Kimes on the show, who has been an avid user of the Ledger technology for six years, right? And you heard what he said. I don't know if our listeners were all here, heard that, but he basically said, I don't know if I could trust them anymore. And that's after six years of loving their technology and their product. And he's actually thinking of moving some of his stuff off of Ledger, maybe 20, 50, whatever percent, onto some other platforms. And that, you know, probably is somewhat of a smart move in general just to have your stuff diversified anywhere, anyway, in multiple places. But it creates a crypto tracking nightmare for people now to be able to have all their stuff in different places. And the good news is, well, while that creates a problem, luckily Merlin will be coming very soon and it will help solve that problem because as Gonzo rightfully pointed out, as he's been helping us building tutorial videos that you guys, I think, will find very useful. All your coins will be in one place. So no matter where you've got them distributed or how you've distributed them, Merlin's still going to show them to you all in one simple place. And we're super excited about that. Abs. And you're right, guys. Get on the wait list. Click on the below. Anybody on the wait list will have a chance to get early access to Merlin 
versus the general public. So you will probably get it, uh, you know, a month or two ahead in advance. So if you want that early access and you want to get Merlin as quickly as possible, sign up on the wait list below. Spot on, Johnny. And another big big detail coming in here. Ledger's co-founder clarifies that there is no backdoor in recovery firmware update. Well, Andrew, why is this so confusing? We're getting different answers from different officials within Ledger. And Johnny broke it down right there. Merlin's hardware wallet is going to allow you to decentralize your portfolio while managing it from one location. So these aren't cheap plugs here, guys. We're kind of lucky we get to talk about this topic today. But Andrew, how do you feel about the conflicting narratives coming out of Ledger? Um, what I think what's happening currently, uh, first, I think there is a sort of uh, a public negative campaign going on. And there are really un, uh, untrue statements are just ventilated in, into, the, in, into the media. And I think this is also a sort of attack. And now that the centralized entities are, are blamed enough, uh, the decentralized stuff will, will, will be pumped fear into the decentralized stuff. But let, let me make you one thing clear. It doesn't matter if you have your crypto on a ledger or on a MetaMask or on, on another uh, uh, wallet. They just cannot uh, uh, access your coins. Of course, a government, if they know your address, they can see your coins, but they are on the blockchain. They're not looking into your, into your wallet. You, you see it on the blockchain. And, and also what I, <laughs> I just saw your article about uh, about MetaMask, that's, that's also a, a, a B, BS article. I mean, MetaMask, that's going to, to, to collect tax. I mean, it's it's absolutely impossible. But I, I think it's it's just a bigger plan of the, of, of the media that's working together to see, can we put some more fear in the market? Because people think, if I put it on a wallet, then I'm safe. And now you get fear articles that that yeah it maybe your wallet isn't that safe. So back to you, uh, Epps. Spot on. And Gonzo, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. I just want to give an update right here. MetaMask says that they reserve the right to withhold taxes where required. What they're trying to tell their users is if they can't pay your tax their taxes, you're gonna pay their taxes. And Gonzo, with that being said, floor is yours. Yeah, you know, as far as the ledger thing, look. I think it was a miscalculation on their part, but like Andrew's right, as far as the media, right? When this thing all rolled out, um, you know, you don't have to sign up for the service. It's a pay service. It's like $9.99 for a month, right? The miscalculation with Ledger was that instead of focusing on the customers that they have now and the reputation that they had with crypto people and cold storage is they're thinking about the people that are going to come in in the future, right? And a lot of the people that are going to come in the future or the ordinary citizen or the ordinary person um, is going to want, just like they're used to it, like your bank's holding your money and people don't understand how the Federal Reserve banking system works, that it's not your money. It's going to be the same thing when the masses come into crypto. And so they're just trying to offer a service, right? You don't have to sign up for that service. You have the choice on whether you want to use it or not, right? I think the confusion about the backdoor thing is their fault. I listened to the AMA and there was basically like a question that came up and he didn't say that there was a backdoor, but I don't know if he was just kind of frustrated with all the negativity. And so it was almost like kind of like a slight where he said, well, it's technology and basically any technology can have a backdoor, right? And now they're kind of going back because it kind of turned into a, a firestorm. But bottom line is, you know, Ledger is 
a company, they're going to do what's best for Ledger, not what's best for you. I say this all the time. So you need to make the decision for yourself. Do I want to continue to use Ledger? And am I, am I going to be okay with just not using their service to where my seed phrase is safe? Or am I going to like pay the service and I'm going to give them control over, right? And it's so different when they talk about search warrants or the government, that's no different than your bank account, right? The government or the police can come in right now and write search warrants and freeze your assets. And the bank is going to comply. That is with any company. So it's not something very unique to like um, Ledger. They're just complying with what the law is. But that's the whole point of what Johnny's saying with decentralization, right? The whole reason we get into crypto, right, is so that it's your asset, so that no one can come in. So it doesn't matter if they write a search warrant, right? They can't get access unless you give them the keys or you turn over that power. And so everybody has to make a decision for themselves and to see what they're comfortable doing. But if you don't want to use the service, then don't use the service. But like it's the media like latching onto it. That's no different than anything else. When they write warrants, they can freeze anything that they want, right? That is the whole point of decentralization. That is the whole point of why we got into crypto so that we control, right? That is the that is what the Bitcoin maxis, that's their whole narrative, right? That if you have your wealth stored in Bitcoin, that you can move it and you can keep it. And as long as you have your seed phrase, it's so decentralized that no one can touch it, right? So that's what we like to hope. And, and I think that narrative is only going to continue to build going forward. But what we're witnessing right now is a massive change in sentiment when it comes to the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit. And the latest person to come out in support of Ripple is a billionaire Forbes contributor. He says the SEC has bitten off more than it can chew in its campaign against XRP. And I think the biggest reason here is they didn't anticipate 75,000 Ripple holders or XRP investors to come out and support this company against the regulatory agency. In a recent analysis, Sam Lehman, a well-respected contributor to Forbes, suggests that the SEC may have bitten off more than it can chew in its ongoing campaign against Ripple Labs. And he doesn't even elaborate much more than that. But I think this has something to do with the conversations happening behind the scenes, Johnny, as the Hinman emails, we've got an Amazon hiring. We've also got rumors that MasterCard could soon be leveraging Ripple's technology. Or sorry, not MasterCard. Microsoft could soon be leveraging Ripple's technology. But guys, we got 330 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest article because I think this is probably one of the most relevant stories today. Former Amazon CFO joins Ripple in batted company. Amid the ongoing legal disputes with the SEC, Ripple remains unfazed, attracting an industry-leading talent and the former Amazon CFO. Ripple announced that it appointed the former Amazon chief financial officer, Warren Jensen, to its board of directors. Jensen brings a wealth of experience while he previously worked at Amazon, Delta, NBC, and several other prominent American companies. Jensen has been appointed to the chair of the audit committee as well, which will oversee the auditing product process for Ripple's operations. Johnny, before I kick it back to you, check out this list of current participants who are working on Ripple's board of directors. We've got Rosie Rios, the former U.S. Treasurer of the United States, a former J.P. Morgan Chief Regulatory Affairs Officer, and the Managing Director, as well as several other banking institutional giants already involved in this company. So right before I kick it back to you, Roto, what do you think about this news? Amazon hire This Amazon hiring, is it a big deal? I think so. I think when you look at what Ripple's doing and bringing in certain people from top-notch companies, now partnering with Microsoft as well. This is just, I mean, they're putting all the pieces in place, Abs. I am super excited. It's exactly what you want to see as a Ripple owner. Uh, and as far as its technology, I mean, who knows the outreach that's going to have and 
the different products they're going to create. But it certainly is extremely exciting when you've got big players analyzing Ripple's technology as they are all now starting to focus on blockchain technology. Ripple is going to be a big-time leader in the space, in my opinion. Gonzo, and this was a reassuring article to find this morning as well. Check this out. Microsoft expressed interest in adding a new functionality to its blockchain through Ripple's Interledger protocol. Microsoft also recently expressed interest in adding new functionalities to its blockchain toolkit through Ripple's Interledger protocol. The cross-border payments network Ripple created the Interledger protocol, a free open source and neutral web protocol that provides an interface for different ledgers to interact. Of course, Microsoft is going to leverage this new tech. What does this mean to you, Gonzo? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think Johnny's spot on. Like, and, and it sucks because of the way that the regulations are, you know, they need to be changed as far as like an accredited investor. Because when you're able to invest in, in Ripple through our partner, Link2, like the way that I look at Ripple, not XRP, but the company Ripple, I think we're going to look back like in 10, 15 years and we'll be telling the story like Johnny did as far as Amazon. But this time it won't be that we sold it too early, right? That we held on to it and that Ripple turned into the Amazon of the banking finance world, right? Because that's what they're building here, right? And it just sucks that, you know, they have these accredited investor laws and that not everyone can go in and buy Ripple and they have to wait for them to actually go public. But hopefully, like when they do go public, there's going to be an opportunity for people to invest and hold on to because we do. I do believe that th this is going to be the Amazon of the, you could say, of the payments world, the CBDC world. Like, I mean, you just see all the partnerships and all the people that are on that team. Uh, and I think we'll look back in 10, 15 years and, and say that, um, yeah, that we were spot on. And Johnny or Andrew, check out this latest update is Mark Zuckerberg and Meta were fined a record 1.3 billion in Europe for violating privacy laws. Elon Musk put Facebook out of business sooner rather than later. That's what this person tweeted. And I think it speaks to the narrative we were talking about before, taking control of your own assets. And look at this. Zuckerberg's going to be fined a billion dollars here for violating privacy laws. God only knows how much he made off of our data. But one thing I can be sure of, it was more than 1.3 billion. So how do you feel about this update, Andrew? <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. I mean, the stock price of Meta went up with three percent today. So, and it was going up, 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 up the last. Now, since th there is a move up since since November uh, uh, last year till now, it only is going up the Meta stock. So, do you really think it hurts uh, uh, Meta? This, this fine, of course. It's it's not it's not nice, but. It's it's same like the the manipulation with, uh, with what JP Morgan is doing with the gold and silver and they also get fined. Uh, you know there, there, there's a battle going on and and all those major companies want to get all the customers they want to get the technology and and you know if a, if a privacy fine has to do with customers and keeping customers and you know that's all what it has to do. So now they have all the information they have a fine they will pay it everybody say okay it it's it's okay. And uh, they just continue uh, and, and maybe they will adjust their rules a little bit. So for me, it's not a surprise. It doesn't hurt Meta at all but because that's what we see. The price is going up. And we're seeing exchanges being shut down all over the United States. And this is another example of that this morning. Crypto exchange Hopbit is going to be shutting down and 5 million users will need to withdraw their remaining Bitcoin and other assets before June 23rd. 
Well, Johnny, June could be a massive month for cryptocurrencies because Mr. Huber tweeted out, isn't it odd? The SEC and Ripple agreed to delay the disclosure of the Hinman emails until June 13th of 2023, which is exactly five years after Hinman's speech was delivered. Are there any public statutes of limitations for Hinman to be charged by the public? Why would Ripple agree to this amendment? Why would Ripple agree to take more time here, Johnny? Could that be the reason? You know, Yusko always says the question's more important than the answer, Abs. I can't tell you the, the answer. I don't know if there's a five-year statute of limitation. That would be very interesting. If there was, then that would obviously be the reason. Um, but I think the interesting thing is we're finally getting close. Although I did see a couple people say to me, don't worry, Johnny. When June 13th comes, they'll delay again for another two weeks. So that is what I'm keeping my eye on, Abs. Are we going to get another delay and another delay? If we are, then the reality is we know that then Ripple is playing, is in the game too, and they're all on the same team. So we'll have to wait and see. Because if I'm Ripple, I want those Hinman emails to come out. I don't want to be delaying them longer and longer. But because, as we rightfully called out on this show, on the other side, there's also some damning information in those emails, uh, abs, in terms of, uh, in relation to Ripple, right? And so there could be a scenario where Ripple, who knows what, what, what conversations are going behind the scenes and maybe they're kind of talking about, okay, you could, you, you, you know, you, you, you scratch out this, I'll scratch out that. Who knows, right? We're going to have to wait and see what comes in the next uh, uh, two weeks or so. But to me, that is going to be a very, very interesting date. And he brings up a very good question. We should have somebody in our chat room, go check that out. Is there a five-year statute of limitation for crimes on that one? That's a really good question. Spot on and Gonzo. I'd love to get some I thoughts from you. I think the statute of limitations the way it works. Well, first of all, it has to be criminal, right? Unless you're talking about some kind of civil suit, but it's criminal. And then it has to be when basically like the crime is like found out or discovered. That's when the clock starts. So, uh, you know, we'd have to do some research on it. I'm just going off the top of my head, Johnny. But Gonzo, uh, that wouldn't go is... back to when he had the speech. It wouldn't be actually when he did the speech. It would oh. be when there's a determination that he actually committed a crime that I think the clock starts. So I think oh, you'd okay. be okay, right? But uh, again, it would have to be a, a criminal statute that's being applied, right? Uh, and so it'd have to be some type of fraud or you know something related to the SEC that's criminal. Um, it, that would be the inception <laughs> point. So yeah, we'd have to do some more research on that. But I, what I think is interesting is like the date of June 13, because um, I think, uh, if I'm not correct, I, I think the full moon is like June 4th or something like that. And then going into the new moon, that might be June 17th, which is when we're kind of expecting where like we should be get kind of that topish energy into the middle of June. If you think back of what happened in 2019 and 2016, middle of June. And so that's why we're saying new moon, because you usually get bullish energy going from the full moon into the new moon. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting how it plays out. It's going to be kind of a crazy summer. The other thing that's coming up in June is we're going to get the CPI print and then the other FOMC meeting. Right. So is he going to raise 25 basis points or is he just going to keep it flat now? Right. Uh, and so that's going to be another big thing for the market, because I think if he keeps it flat, the market will run. But at some point when he continues to keep it flat and he doesn't do the reduction that the market is expecting, I think that's what we could have problems because there's a big. Oh, I think he froze there, guys. 
We're in. Oh, did we lose some abs? I think so. I think so, Johnny. And let's close out this video with an interesting clip of Michael Saylor. This is right after Gary Gensler was set to be appointed up into the chairman of the SEC. Pretty much speaks for itself. So let's close it out with this video. Probably going to be the head of the SEC. Gary Gensler taught a class at MIT on Bitcoin. He's probably the single best regulator in the entire world. You could, if you, if God came down and picked the perfect person to run the SEC, you couldn't get a better person than Gary Gensler. If you go Google it, you'll find that the MIT Open Courseware has his 24-session course on cryptocurrency uploaded, available for you to watch. If you want to know what the SEC thinks about Bitcoin, watch Gary Gensler teach. I happen to have good relationships with MIT's Digital Currency Initiative. I'm, I'm a, a supporter of it. Wow. I contribute to it. I, I, you know, I give them a million dollars. And, uh, and I asked them before, before the Biden transition took place, I said, what do you think? They said, well, you know, Gary Gensler is on the transition team and he's really pro-Bitcoin. So if he gets uh, a role, that'll be good. Pro-Bitcoin, not pro-crypto. Johnny, how do you feel about these sailor statements? You know, as I said earlier, Abs, I don't disagree with Sailor from a perspective that Gensler had all the right credentials, background, knowledge uh, of the technology and understanding of it. If you were to pick somebody and you were, you know, uh, you were head of the office and you want to pick somebody to run that office and you knew that cryptocurrency or blockchain technology was going to be the focus in the next several years to come and you want somebody in that space. I mean, are there other people? I'm sure there's other people out there as well that maybe we don't know. But Gary certainly would have been on that list, high up on that list. And again, as I said earlier, you know, he, I, I feel Gary has the knowledge and he's just running the agenda that he's being told by his boss to run. And that's what he's doing. And if if the boss changes his tune and Gary's told to go do, you know, the opposite way, go make it happen. I think you'll see Gary make it happen. And I think everybody would be then praising Gary. The way they were when he first got the job. I copy apps. We saw, we heard Gary talk. He literally said 75% of crypto is not security. So we yeah. know, we know where he was at. And we know what he's doing now. Just put the simple, put the two pieces of the puzzle together. You can see what happened here. I don't know if people would start praising him though. I think he would lose credibility because now he's a flip-flopper. Uh, and, uh, you know. He would he, be a flip-flopper, but everybody in the crypto industry would freaking love his flip-flopping. They would, but I think his credibility would be damaged. And you know how people are. They would just continue to attack him. But like people would be happy because the market would run, right? Uh, and so who knows how he does as a leader now that his credibility is shot. I mean, it's already kind of shot. But if he, you know, he flips it, um, then, you know, it, it'll be not worse. But like you're still going to get people to say, see, and like you said, it'll be the evidence that we need to show that he's just a puppet and that it's really coming from the top. And now that the top has changed, now we have the new narrative. So, yeah, so maybe right. we can close out this episode with a discussion about what you think happens at the end of the day here. Andrew, obviously this technology is being adopted by financial institutions, but is the U.S. going to give a green light for people like us to continue to hold these digital assets and eventually give financial institutions the green light to say, hey, why don't you take Johnny Crypto's XRP or Ethereum, for example, leverage it for whatever it's built for, and then give Johnny a little bit of interest on the back end. I think we could see that sometime soon. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But then if I would implement, if I would prefer to implement that as a service, 
I would prefer to do that as a decentralized service. So that just like with staking, that you say, okay, I, I delegate my guns to a validator or I delegate my coins to somebody who wants to use it, but in the smart contract is written, I stay the owner. And you know, and that's important. And 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 as the, the more negative stuff happens with money, if it's either fiat money or crypto money, or it doesn't matter, uh, uh, the more uh, initiatives will be developed by, by, by engineers and by crypto communities to find ways around the centralization and go into the decentralization, you know? And that, that's our future and it's inevitable. An enormous amount of stuff will be decentralized, organized, and yeah, it, it's just the last, uh, um, look in 10 years, what will happen? I mean, everybody will understand decent, decentralization and it will be a, 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 a a, 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 a positive point where, oh, where do you have your money? Oh, a centralized bank? Oh, no, no, no. I do it in, an, uh, in a decentralized way, you know? So, uh, yeah, we are really on the on the brink of uh, an enormous uh, revolution scene uh, scene for that. And we're going to close out this, this show today with an interesting revelation about the him and emails. John Deaton talked about when Brad Garlinghouse first got access to these emails, he talked about how the corruption would be shocking but it may not be what many retail investors are anticipating. So we're going to play these 17 seconds here. Here we go. Expectation on these documents, right? That some people might be let down because, you know, when, when Brad Garninghouse says this is shocking or Stuart Alderodi says, you know, this was well worth the fight. Expectation on these documents, right? That, some people might be let down. So why do you believe that John Deaton thinks people are going to be let down, Johnny? I mean, if the corruption is there, shouldn't that be enough? Well, yeah, I think because people want to have confidence in the government agencies. And I think what they're trying to say, and this is my interpretation, Abs, is that they're looking at it and they're seeing what's in writing. And we don't have the privy to see it yet. But Brad came out and said it. Stuart Elorado came out and said it and said, when you see what's in these documents, you're going to be highly disappointed. And I think what they mean is you're going to be highly disappointed because they weren't operating with integrity. And I think, you know, and that's really, you know, trust, integrity. That's what we expect out of these government agencies. And I think that's what we're going to find out soon. And it's only going to be, what are we at today? 22nd? That's 8 plus 13. 21 days, Abs. 21, 22 days. We're going to find out if they don't delay it again. Gonzo, I'd like to get some closing statements from you and then we'll close it out. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'll take it a little bit more, more esoteric, right? And so when it comes, what does Coach A.V. say? Never have expectations, but good intentions. I think that when we put expectations, people are expecting a certain thing, and you're always let down when you have expectations, right? It never plays out the way you think it's going to be, right? Because it's an expectation. And so if you have good intentions, it ends up playing out a little bit better for you. So. Those are my thoughts. Amazing, guys. And thank you so much. We're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G. And thank you to the Cashflow King himself. We got 277 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ride. Get this shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. See you guys tomorrow.